quincunx, 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 quincuncho. Hello, Maniacs! Hey, Maniacs! Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the ma'am, the loonies, and everything else we love. They knew that already. They did. And they know who you are, but you're going to say it. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. <laughs> and if your kids are able to watch Scooby-Doo, they should be able to watch this episode. I think they can handle this episode. <laughs> it is so Scooby-Doo. Because this week we are talking about episode 90, which is season 15, episode 1, The Dark Rider. Yes. <laughs> he can't laugh. He's got no head. That's true. I always wondered that. It's kind of hard to be threatening when you have no head. Like in the you can't di- grimace or growl. In or the anything. Disney Sleepy Hollow short, mm-hmm. he talks, and I'm like, how? How? Does he use a flaming pumpkin to talk? I don't like know. a jack o' lantern? No, he throws pumpkins, but but its head doesn't. No, doesn't he laughs. Talk. He cackles. Oh. How? I don't Do know. Do his stump? I don't know, but the Sleepy Hollow <laughs> television show. That NBC had on in the 2000s, he didn't talk. Yeah. And then in the movie, Christopher Walken has his head for most of it. Well, a little bit of it. And he kind of just hisses. Yeah. He's the hissing Hessian. But if you you lost your head and you were supernatural enough to still be able to move around, I would think it would just be kind of a wet, squelchy sound that you could make. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a... A straw and an empty glass. That kind, kind of like <laughs> the sound of that gargoyle coming off yeah. that guy's head. Wow. Oh, boy. Uh, before we dive in, just a couple of things. One is that we're still taking new merch ideas. We've got some really good ones. I'm working on them right now. And two is that just a little kind of legal disclaimer in that we are not responsible for any accidents that you may have while listening to the podcast and maybe laughing too hard yes. if you had some kind of oopapa epops accident last week we're not responsible for you we we got many comments that we were <laughs> very funny last week i think it was because we were a bit slap happy i think we were slap happy i don't even remember recording much of that episode <laughs> Oh my gosh. If you fall over on your walk because of the Upapa Epops phenomenon, that's not our problem. <laughs> I, we we had a busy May and June, and I can only tell you that as far as I could see, August may be the most busy month in the entirety of the universe. Okay, you just skipped July? Yeah. Don't do that. I need that month. Jeez, time needs to slow down. Oh, are you ready for the Dark Rider? Speaking of time in the past, uh, this episode was filmed in September and October of 2011. Broadcast date were on the 1st of February, 2012. Nine, 6.94 million viewers. Alex Pilia directs this uh, episode and written by Michael Edkins. I'm sorry, when did it air again? What month? Uh, September and October 2011. Okay, so, so it is kind of a Halloween episode. I think it's kind of a Halloween episode. If it, if not, it should be. I did watch the trailer, and they certainly Halloween it up yeah. in the trailer. And especially because Scooby-Doo... No, no, sorry. <laughs> it's set in the fall. 
Yeah. You know how we know that? Because Betty DeKetville picks up leaves one at a time with her hands. One at a time. Does that woman not know what a rake is or a broom? I was like, get a broom, woman. That is the most inefficient leaf picking up in. It's like, I've just got a bag and I'm just going to pick them up and put them in the bag one at a time. And plus, okay, it's a big house with a big travel, travel. What the hell is travel? A gravel drive. A huge gravel drive. That is right. a lot of pea gravel. Yep. That's a lot of pea gravel. How are those that many leaves getting into the foyer at that point? <laughs> I think you just said that so you could say foyer. Which is the correct way to say foyer. Yeah. If you don't live in Indiana. Anyway. we say foyer. Anyway. Step into my foyer. How did the leaves get there? I don't know. They collected there because those two statues were catching them. I don't want creepy lifestyle statues on the on each side of my front door in my foyer. They would creep me out at night. Of course, there's a lot to be creeped out by this house anyway. Yes. Can we talk about the house before we dive into yes, the, the episode? Quite well hall. Quite well hall in reality is Nebworth House in Hert Hertfordshire. Which is a beautiful Hertfordshire. house. Hertfordshire. It's a beautiful house. It is. It's gorgeous. It's been in tons of things. It was used in Eyes Wide Shut, The King's Speech, The Great Muppet Caper, Haunted Honeymoon with Gene Wilder and Gildner Radner. Yep. And it was Wayne Manor in the 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton. Yes, it was. I noticed that right away. You noticed it? Yes, I did, because I've seen that movie 25 times. (laughs) (laughs) So... A person that we have talked about before on yes. this episode owned that house. His name was Bulwer Lytton. Oh, okay. Lytton. Remember back in season seven, episode four, Sins of Commission, we talked about a contest for the worst first sentence of a book, of a story? Yes. Well, Bulwer Lytton is the one who inspired that contest because he came up with, it was a dark and stormy night. Well, that's appropriate for this episode then. Yes. Did you notice when they're in the dining room and is it Jones or Barnaby who goes up on the minstrels gallery up top in the dining room? I think it's Barnaby. Yeah. Did you notice the words around the top? No. What does it say? So all around the dining room, it's called a minstrels gallery because, you know, in medieval times they would have had musicians up there playing during the feast. All around the top of the room, there's this text written all around the top. It is a poem by Bulwer Lytton, mm-hmm. which are both his last names, by the way. His first name is not Bulwer. He was a member of parliament, a poet, a novelist. And here is what it says. Read the red of the old of this old roof tree. Here be trust fast, opinion free. Knightly right hand, Christian knee. Worth in all, wit in some, laughter open, slander dumb. Hearth where rooted friendships grow, safe as altar, even to foe. And ye sparks that upward grow, when the hearth flame dies below. If thy sap and these may be, fear no winter, old roof tree. It's actually quite nice. Yeah, it is. It's like, everybody's welcome here, everybody's good. We don't talk slander. Nope. And you're safe here. Come on into the big house and we'll feed you. It's kind of nice, yeah. However, the garden... Of Nebworth Manor is much more interesting okay. than the house. I mean, the house is fantastic. Don't yes. get me wrong. <laughs> yes. If, if somebody wants to give that to me, I will take it. Gladly take that out. But the garden uh, has gone through lots of different eras of styles and stuff. And <laughs> Gertrude Jekyll, or Jekyll. Yes. A famous garden designer. Yes. In the early 1900s. 
designed an herb garden, a formal geometric herb garden that you would imagine, well, probably from the time of Charles I, that kind of style. And this is 18th century, Mm, 19th century. She designed it in the 19th century after the style of like a a garden that Marie Antoinette would have been Mm -hmm. familiar with. Those very formalized geometric. Yes. There's a word for those gardens. Okay. That I had never heard before. Okay, lay it on And me. when I saw it, it was like, Arr! okay, now this is a word that refers to five dots arranged in a cross shape. So the four of them can be in a square or in a rectangle, and then there's one in the middle. So if you think of the five side on a die, yeah, on dice, that's the shape we're talking about. Or the shape of a traditional church. Mm-hmm. It's called a quincunx. 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 That's as good as Octothorpe. And um, something that uh, has a quincunx kind of design is quincunchal. So you could say <laughs> that if I rolled 10 on dice and it was both fives, that both dice were quincunxal. You'd have a twin quincunxal roll. Quincunx. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, quite well... Of the Dequettevilles has a quincunx garden. Oh, maybe okay. I thought it was funnier than you do. <laughs> when I saw that word, I was like, "That's such a weird word." What quincunx? What the heck is that? Yeah, it's just five dots. Five dots is a quincunx. Okay. And then I had to listen to different sites pronouncing it. You know, <laughs> all the text to speech like quincunx, 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 quincunchal. Nice. Now you know, and you can whip that word out in conversation and sound super smart. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's the house. Yes. And it is the Duquetteville family manor, right? Yes. It's got a priest's hole that isn't one. Yes. It's another room. <laughs> it's a room. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really an escape route, more a vault. Yeah, it's where they keep the good stuff. Yeah. But I love when Barnaby opens it, Betty's like, yes, there's a hidden passage. What? Because I I do expect people who live in those kind of houses are probably pretty jaded about how awesome they are. (laughs) Like, you don't know how expensive it is to fix that thing when it breaks. I totally understand that and hope to experience that one day. You'd love to have that problem? Oh, yeah. Our house is just too big. Oh. It's just, you know, it's full of rare things that are expensive to maintain. And all we do is leisure activities while people watch us. Yes. Oh, the hardship. Uh, Bentham, which is a great name. Bentham Decatville is in bed. On, say it, a dark and stormy night. A dark and stormy night. Here's a sound and and thinks, I'm 70 years old. I'll go out on the roof. Because what will happen if that flag blows away? Nothing. I have. I literally have in the first section of the cold open notes I have. What is he doing? Why is he doing that? What is he doing? Why does he do that like that? Forget the flag, man. Yeah. No flag is that important. No. But the headless horseman, Jeffrey, we'll just call him Jeffrey, is out there and scares him and he falls off the roof and he dies. Yes. Right. Of a heart attack because he's got this condition. Yes. But we don't know that. But. Right. The. The rider points at him. The dark rider. Okay. Does Jeffrey cause the flag to go come loose? No. No. So how does Jeffrey know that he's going to be out there? 
Okay, there are a number. It's Sasha on the of, horse. Of We're just going to spoil it. Yeah. Everybody's seen it. Also, if there's a rider dressed on a gray horse, dressed in his blue, nice stuff, mm-hmm. and he has no head, mm-hmm. isn't that a little more important than his darkness? <laughs> <laughs> well, they couldn't call the episode The Headless Horseman. No, but they could call him The Headless Rider. They could. They do everything in this episode not to say headless horse. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Which makes sense. The headless horse person. <laughs> but the whole idea is that because Sasha wants to scare the Decatvilles, not kill anybody, just scare them, she rides out dressed as the headless horseman and accidentally scares Bentham to death. Yes. But she doesn't know he'll be out there. She doesn't know anybody will see her. The first murder has nothing. Well, okay. It's maybe not a she thinks, maybe she knows Toby walks the dog. Maybe. And she was going to scare him. Maybe. It's not a murder. She wants to scare somebody. But, but certainly, like, what happens is Toby uses this to his advantage. Mm. And it may be the inciting incident, but this is not a murder. No, no, it's not. Bentham's not m- murdered. No. He's. Dumb enough to go out on the roof in the middle of the night during a storm. He's he's killed by his own stupidity. And lean over a parapet. How do you even get onto that roof when you're 70? He's spry. He's got a big bed. Did you notice how big his bed is? He does have a big bed. He's a big guy. He's fancy. Yes. He's not big in stature. He's just fancy. He's played by Murray Melvin. That's quite the name. He's been in everything. Oh, okay. He was in Barry Lyndon. Okay. He was in The Adventures of Tom Jones. Okay. He was in Listomania. Mm-hmm. And he was in The Devils, the wow. Oliver Reed movie with the nuns. Wow. We've Listomania about it. is another uh, movie by the guy who directed The Devils. Yeah. It's oh. all psychedelic oh, Listomania weirdness. is weird. Yeah. That's a weird... But famous. Yeah. Yeah, Murray Melvin was in a lot of stuff. That's cool. Including our horrible movie this week. Excellent. Just wait. Just wait. So he falls, and then we get to meet the rest of the family. Well, okay, we should cover Headless Horseman, Mm. right? So it is not unsuspecting that there is a Headless Horseman here. It's not weird. And it's also not weird that the Headless Horseman from Sleepy Hollow appears where it does. Are you like saying the, that there were legends of headless horsemen before Washington Irving wrote his story? Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. In, in fact, the one that we referenced just a few episodes ago, the 14th century poem, Gawain the Green Knight. Ah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yep. So uh, the titular giant knight, after he be- is beheaded by Gawain, picks his head up and rides out of the hall. Mm-hmm. Right, saying I'll come back in a year and get you. Yeah. So, so this is not a new phenomenon, and in fact, like I think Washington Irving, who wrote the story Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which has nothing to do with supernatural, like that story is about prudish know-it-alls, know-it-alls. Mm-hmm. That like Ichabod Crane is not a nice person or a likable person mm-hmm. in that story. Yeah. He is meant to be terrified. and Because if, he deserves it. If you read the story, the guy in town who is the villain of every other 
portrayal of Sleepy Hollow actually marries that girl and they ha- they have a nice life and they're happy. <laughs> and Ichabod Crane's never been seen again. And everybody's kind of okay with that. Yeah, like good riddance. So the idea is that this this headless person is so terrifying that it makes people do stupid things in fear. That's That's always associated with it. In this case, though, Jeffrey... It's not that he's so terrifying. It's that he is a portent of death. If you see him and he points at you, it means you're going to die. Yes. Not that he causes you to die, but he predicts your death. Yes. Do you think it's strange that the family has a portrait painted of a headless man on a horse? I indeed do. Okay, good. (laughs) Because I thought that was a little weird. We have nobody who is headless in this house. Uh, pictures. If I was going to have a we portrait... We have other... We have weird pictures in yeah. this house, but... <laughs> but if I was going to have a portrait painted of a member of our family that maybe died in battle, I would not paint him after death. Well, I would and, have him painted before. Okay. The Hessian from Sleepy Hollow and this guy... Jeffrey. Took a full cannonball to the face. Yeah. That is the idea that they... Their head got knocked off. Yes. So, really, the picture should have squirting net (laughs) instead he has a nice neat cravat that kind of tucks around his stump because he didn't (laughs) when this happened it was it would not have been pleasant no okay i don't think there's any pleasant way of having your head removed from your body (laughs) a guillotine is no better no (laughs) your head's still off one way or the other I just think it's strange that some member of the family in the past thought it was important enough to paint him without his head. (laughs) Like, he probably had a life before that. He was probably, you know, a brave guy. He was a soldier. He fought. But no, he's just Headless Jeffrey now. Headless Jeffrey. Too bad. It's like poor Toby taking the dog out in the middle of the night. Okay. For a slash. We have have gone through this in a number of shows. Mm. Okay. But these people that... The old guy, the old couple. You the, mean Izzy and Ludo? The twins. Mm-hmm. And Betty are not enough people to run this house. Don't forget Diana. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> try desperately to forget Diana because it's one of the cringiest and scenes And Simon. There's seven people who, who live in this house. Yes. Somebody else could... I think they could, have help. Yeah. Someone, help. someone else could walk the dog. Uh, that's the kind of thing you want to do for yourself. It's your dog. Let I somebody guess. else do the dusting and cleaning the floors. Take the dog out yourself. I understand that. He finds the body. Well, not the body. He finds Bentham dying. And he, he says, says, Jeffrey. <laughs> and then Toby looks at the dog and goes, Scoob, I think this is a clue. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got Ludo, who is... Ludovic, right? Who is Bentham's brother. Yes. So Bentham is the uncle. Yes. He's not in line. Nope. Ludo and Izzy. They are the current reigning Decathlons. Lord and lady. And their sons, Toby and Julian, who are twins. I got to tell you, I, I uh, readers, listeners, people. <laughs> Whoever who, you are. Who, who consume this show. I am an idiot because... I was so concerned with what was going on in the background of this show. I was halfway through the episode when I was like, are they supposed to be twins? And then I was like, I wonder if they got twins to play them. And then I was like, 
no, they're the same actor. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a complete idiot. You've seen this episode at least twice before. Yes. And you totally forgot that? I'm absolutely an idiot. You're not an idiot. You were distracted. I was distracted by all the stuff in the background. Toby's married to Betty, who runs the place. Yeah. And she's good at it. She's, Betty is, is one of the few likable people in this episode. Oh, I don't know if I like her. But she's on the ball. She's competent. And then Toby's son, Simon, who is his son by his former wife, Angela, who died five years ago in a horse riding accident, where Simon was present and he has been speechless since from the trauma. If you're writing something, don't put dreams in it. Okay? I know. Because dreams are silly. Don't put trauma, don't put portals in it. Portals are silly. And this is in literature. Yes. Okay? Trauma that makes your characters act a certain way just so that you can use it as a plot device seems silly to me. Mm-hmm. It speaks of, I was just so terrified my entire skin turned white. Like, it seems... Yeah, my hair all turned white. Goofy like that. So then Julian, who is the handsome twin, the extroverted twin... Maybe. The gruff twin... The gel-wearing twin yes. is married to Diana. Yes. So we've got Toby, the glasses-wearing kind of mealy-mouthed twin. Yes. And Julian, the gel-wearing slut twin. That's yes. what his wife calls him. It's... It's... Goofus <laughs> <laughs> and Gallant, right? Slut twins <laughs> activate! Form of... I don't, I don't want to go there. Wow. Anyway. We just did <laughs> a highlights <laughs> reference and then followed that... By a Wonder Twins reference. <laughs> this is the most 70s moment of this entire episode, of this entire show. Okay, so the highlights reference was Goofus and Gallant, which was this cartoon in the Highlights magazine in the 70s. Yes. Which taught young boys how to act. Highlights was, oh, Goofus and Gallant was about manners, yeah, but yeah. Highlights wasn't. Highlights had yeah. other wonderful things in it. Right. It was no dynamite, but... Yeah. Anyway, it was always in the doctor's office waiting room. That's yes. the only place I ever saw it. Oh my, my! It was one of the very few things my parents gave me when I asked for it. Oh, I'm sorry. And then, and then, so highlights, and then Wonder Twin powers <laughs> activate from Super Friends yes. from the '70s. I did look into whether it's possible for identical twins to, for one of them to need glasses and the other one not. And it's pretty impossible. So either uh, Julian wears contacts because he's vain and Toby wears glasses because he's not. Or Julian also needs glasses but doesn't wear them. Yeah. And Julian does. But the glasses and the hair gel are the only way to tell them apart. That and Julian talks like this all the well, time. And drives like an insane person on a cart. Why does he do that? He I just, don't know. He just likes to scare people, I think. I think he likes... It's it's Yorkshire drift on the cart. <laughs> <laughs> when he goes around that corner. Yeah. Uh, it's totally the Fast and the Furious. Uh, so that, that's kind of our cast, right? The yeah. Decutvilles. And then there's the um, the Fleetwoods, Harry and Sasha. Yes. I think he's supposed to be sort of a Steve Jobs kind of guy. and Or somebody. Like he's so smart, he makes passive money on the, on the stock market. Yeah, and I think they probably all went, I think... Fleetwood and the two brothers went to school around yeah. the same time. I, it wouldn't surprise like me. Like they've known each other their yeah. whole lives. Yeah. 
And then there's just Amanda, the horse lady. She's just she's unnecessary. Gay, she's gay. Over there. Have we mentioned that she's gay? She has no purpose. Hey, Scoob, she likes to kiss girls. She has no purpose. And just needlessly gay. Yeah. Needlessly. Just to kind of, I don't know, make eyeballs at Sasha, I guess. No. It, like, that's it. We're entering into the phase now. Okay. So we'll touch on this very briefly. But there was a clear indication starting with the new Barnaby to make the show more multicultural and more inclusive. Mm -hmm. All things that I am all for. Absolutely. Okay. But they're not like, always good at it. Like lots Especially of shows, this is very clumsily done in some shows. Good for trying. Mm -hmm. And they and get they better get, at it. They get much better at yes. it. And, and so we should see it as a swing and a miss of including LBGTQ characters in it. But at least they're trying. I thought they did a good job with the, the men who owned the bookstore where um, Cully's first boyfriend worked. Yes. Uh, in the episode where yeah. the guy slits his own throat. Like, they're, that, they're that a was, great couple. They're a good representation. That was done so much better yeah, than this. Very sensitive. So. But then there's just Amanda, the gay horse lady. I yep. don't know why she's there. And everybody is getting ready for this big battle reenactment. Okay. Stay with me on the battle reenactment. You just, we'll get there. You used a, an important term. Yes. Reenactment. Um, we're introduced to them as they're getting ready for this. And all I can say is, Toby, your sign is freaking twisted. Can you please <laughs> fix your sign, Toby? And he's like talking. You, and I'm it? like, fix it. Fix the sign. Fix the sign. So they have rock concerts there. They have reenactments there. It's clear that Betty has put on a full program of let's make use of these grounds to bring in some cash. And Nebworth House, which is quite well hall in reality, does have a giant music festival in the meadow that you name it, Rolling Stones, yeah, Ozzy Osbourne, you name them. it, they've been there. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of realistic. Ugly Betty is just one of the many things that Izzy calls Betty. Oh, well, <laughs> Izzy and Ludo are fantastic. They are... They're great together. They're mean to everybody else. They're so Well, Izzy mean. is anyway. They're so mean to people. When she says to Betty, like, oh, and try to lose some weight. I'm like, that was unnecessary. Yeah. And Ludo is played by an actor that we've seen before in the Made in Splendor episode. His name is William Gaunt, and yeah, he was Michael Bannerman in Maiden Splendor. Yes. I don't know why Izzy is so nasty. I don't... She, Especially doing, to Betty, since... She's just making art. If it weren't for Betty, that house would be underwater. They'd all be in debt. I think she's nasty to people because she, feel, she thinks it's expected that people in her position are nasty to people. I guess. Of course, Julian is the one who races off in his cart and says, out of the way, plebs, yes. as he like runs over tourists. He almost runs that woman over. And then the guy pushes her more in front of yeah. him. <laughs> like grab her, pull her back. Don't, don't run forward in front of the cart. Out of the way, plebs. So Ludo says there is a lady in the lake. There is a chap in the cellar. Yep. <laughs> and there's Jeffrey. <laughs> So Lady in the Lake is clearly Arthurian. Yeah, it's a reference to yeah. that. But I don't think that's the Lady in the no, Lake no, they're no, talking no. about. No, no, it's no. just a, probably a lady who drowned in the lake or something that he's seen. He yes. thinks he's seen. And some kind of skeleton that they found in the cellar. Yeah. 
It, the place is Chaco with ghosts. <laughs> Chaco block. And I, you know, I get the impression that Ludo grew up there. So probably as a little boy, he was scared by stuff too. But he's like, oh, and there, and there's that chap in the cellar too. I'm like, oh, that sounds scary. Yeah. A chap in the cellar. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a Scoob. dude in the laundry room. Sometimes, Whoa. sometimes Scoob, <laughs> when you're up making sandwiches at night, it gets scary. Yeah, I guess so. So there's this, the, the reenactment is coming up, right? The reenactment is this Battle of Naseby, right? Yes. Which is in June 1645. It's part of the English Civil War between the Roundheads and the, and the Royals. Yep. Reenactments have one outcome. Yes. It's what happened when that thing happened. Okay, we're going to get into this reenactment. Like you couldn't you wouldn't do a crime reenactment and have the person get away. That's not a reenactment. <laughs> no. The fact that there's any question of the outcome makes it not a reenactment. And the people in in the reenactment are called actors. Reenactors. Reenactors. Act Tours. But apparently this questionable outcome has always been the case. Which makes no sense at because all Sasha because there's knows, no rules to it. Because <laughs> Sasha knows that she can bet on who's going to win. Like, if it was always an actual reenactment, there would be no question about who was going to win. So that wouldn't be a bet that you could make. It's like... It's like betting on who wins on D-Day. Like, yeah. we know! It happened already. But this is a, um, it's a kind of reenactment where everybody involved follows the rules and tactics of the time, but the outcome may be different. What, what supposedly. I, what I don't know. But understand. that's impossible, because you can't kill people, you can't change it. And Sasha's army... Which has to be the name of one of the one of the names of this uh, Sasha's Thug Squad. <laughs> Sasha's Thug Squad is not dressed in reenactment clothes. No, has no weapons. No, how does this work? They run up and steal the flag. Is this a? It's a, a capture game the of flag. Tag? It's capture the flag. <laughs> to be fair, a bunch of little kids could have done it too. Because everybody, everybody else is like actually like shooting guns at each other and stuff and. You know, they're just not even part of it. They just steal it. <laughs> okay. I don't understand the whole thing. And that, and I tell you, and you know this is true, is the not the most infuriating thing to me about that day. I know. <laughs> so we go to the Fleetwoods, right? Yeah. Their house is ultra modern, super sleek. He's fancy. Super. He has lots of computers with screens. Super beautiful. Yeah. But Harry Fleetwood is an uptight, anxious man. He cannot handle the noise nope. of the rock concerts and the cannons and all that stuff. It and makes the corruption him, of history. makes him break out in hives. Yep. Now, the corruption of history, I am completely on his side. Well, the but, fact that they have a reenactment where they don't know who's going to win, yes. that makes me mad too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mad enough to have, and that room has to be 30 by 30 at the very least. Yes, a room with floor-to-ceiling windows, 30 by 30, with two army men tables. <laughs> three. Oh, there are three? Yes. Okay, three, three army men tables. Yeah. In and he gives less room in his house to where he works. And a $15,000 original 
Eames recliner. That recliner is a work of art. That chrome pipe leather Eames recliner. It's an original Eames. They must have rented this house. Furnished. No, (laughs) unfurnished because they built those like. Yeah, I don't think it's a house. Yeah. It doesn't look like a house to me. To yeah. me, it looks like a conference center. On the the front, certainly doesn't look like a house. No, no. It looks like a school or something. Something. I couldn't find out where it was. I didn't spend a whole lot of time trying, but um, but I would live there gladly. It's beautiful. It seemed to me to be a lot of stuff to sweep. I'd rather sweep that room than any room in Quitewell <sighs> Hall. Well, that's true. Sasha is beautiful, younger, but I think she actually loves Harry. Now, all of her actions are driven by his need for peace and quiet. Like, that's the whole reason she dresses up as the Headless Horseman in the beginning. I think she genuinely cares about him. But there's one thing about her I don't understand. Yes. She has at least four inch heels on all the time. All the time. Except when she's riding a horse. Yes. Including when she goes in the barn. When she's just hanging around at home, she's got four inch heels on at least. When she goes into the barn of Lesbos. She definitely had four inch heels. <laughs> Amanda keeps a clean stable, though, so that's okay. She does. I just don't understand women who wear heels at home. I, there are women who do it. I know. I Googled it. I found all kinds of discussions of people saying, I wear heels all the time. I'm comfortable in them. I wear them around the house. I cannot wrap my brain around that. Now, Sasha is 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 played by Natalie Mendoza mm-hmm. and was held up in the press as kind of one of the new faces that we're seeing in Midsummer this year. Mm-hmm. There, there was a very... Because ac- her, her parents are Spanish and Filipino, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. If I remember right. And like... The, hey, not a white person. I ran into a number of episodes talking about her specifically as being an example of the new faces we're seeing in Midsummer. Well, that's good. Yeah. You mean articles, not episodes. Articles, hey, articles about it? Yeah. Articles. Yeah. yeah. Why does Simon go out to the woods and stab a scarecrow with a burning s- spear? Okay. I have a number of problems with this ep- this part of the episode. Okay. First of all, he has a black horse, which immediately confuses you as to, I thought it was a gray horse. Because at first you're like, is this the headless horseman no. doing this? No, no, no. I think it's we're just supposed Simon. to know... That Simon is close to his horse, and, that that they yep. that they get along, and, and he loves his horse. Now, we are led to believe that Simon, seeing the incredible, upsetting incident of his mother's death, mm-hmm. has the following symptoms. He can't talk. Mm-hmm. He cannot express his anger except by stabbing scarecrows, mm-hmm. Bernie Bernie scarecrows. And he's also OCD. He's seen fixing things and moving them around. Yeah, they say that he has fixations. Yeah, all of those things are simply plot armor that he wears to make him that way so that we get the ending. Pretty much. And that's not how real trauma works. No. It's it's three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's a real trauma-inducing incident, but we're not going to show how trauma actually affects people. Or, okay, if one of if something traumatic happened to our children and they didn't talk for a week, would we not have them seeing a psychiatrist? Well, they do. Yeah. Twice, that's apparently. True. That's twice. 
But then they have the stiff upper lip thing where it's like, well, he'll get over it eventually. Toby certainly thinks that he'll get over it. Like, he just says it's going to happen eventually. He'll get over it. And then the other thing that bothers me about this is Simon stabs the scarecrow with a flaming pike. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, did he get the pike from the house? Because if he did, it's probably an antique. Yeah. (laughs) What is he doing stabby stabby with flaming pike? Maybe it's from the reenactors. Maybe. (laughs) So who knows what it is. Actors. Reenactors. Is this our first Zumba reference in uh, Midsummer? It might be. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. Ends up the old man had Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome. Why is that even in this episode? Why? Why, why can they not just say he had a heart attack? I don't know. It. <sighs> I don't know. I don't. He was an elderly guy. It's not out of you know the possibility that he would have had just a heart attack from being so scared wolf parkinson white syndrome was first kind of named in the 30s yeah in the 30s and i realized that there were three scientists who kind of discovered it and published about it but could they not have one at least one or Two of them said, my name doesn't have to be part of the name of it. Wolf syndrome. (laughs) Well, okay. Wolf syndrome. Okay. Maybe not. Parkinson already has the thing. So white white syndrome. Not so much. Not in the 30s. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) That's the only choice they had. Then you have white wolf syndrome. (laughs) And that's bad. And Parkinson wolf syndrome. That sounds really scary. That's a shaky werewolf. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yes, they all had to be there. People who have this now can have a surgery that changes that crossover thing that causes the electrical problems in their heart. They can have it fixed. That's awesome. It's amazing. I just... But you can also live with it, too. I mean, just to take medicine. It just doesn't need to be there. Just like Julian it just doesn't... Gives, it gives Kate an excuse to poke at a pig heart in a dish. Yeah. And then the whole thing... About the bet. I sat there screaming at the television. You cannot bet on reenactment. You can the way they do it. (laughs) Especially with what Sasha's got in mind. We're going to take all your horses out and I'm going to hire squatties to come in and take over. What? Poor Sarah Barnaby. First of all, why... Why is John just now finding out she's the secretary of the Historical Society? Why is the secretary of the Historical Society in charge of this giant event? No. Why are, why are they involved at all? I have, you're an admin, not a history teacher. Why are you doing any of this? And what is she supposed to be doing and up there in the really mic? And she's really upset <laughs> that, that things she, go awry? That she doesn't want one of the teams to win this year i'm like you're the head of the history society (laughs) if anybody knows who won it should be you and you should insist that that's the team that wins we've gone on about that go overlap we've gone over that a lot now yes we'll get over it now (laughs) julian's death is wackadoodle Okay, before Julian's death comes the thing that makes me more upset about the reenactment than the reenactment being a win-or-lose situation. Which is? Poor Andy. Oh, Andy the sound man. She turns around and yells at Andy. Can you do something about this, Andy? (laughs) No, because I don't exist. And no, because sound doesn't work like that. (laughs) 
You don't get feedback like that? No! I do. I do like the little two-second scene of the synchronized raising of the speakers, though. Yes. That, that was nice. Those speakers are really old. Yeah. Maybe that's why they have that okay. feedback sound. Just, no. Okay. In order for her to get feedback like that, she would have to have the microphone in front of the speakers. And she is clearly yards behind the speakers. Are you okay? Yes. Are you good? Yep. Got it out? Yep. Okay. You've spoken up for Andy, who's not at fault. You okay now? Mom, Mom, I got a part. <laughs> no, I, you didn't. No, you don't. You're a name. You guys can't see him twitching a little bit. He's twitching just a little bit. Okay, the day of the big battle. Julian says, out of the way, plebs, and then gets hit by a log. Okay. There's tons of problems here. Now, granted, he sees the headless horseman, and he chases this person. I buy that. I buy it because the horseman is there to get him to chase her. I buy going off on the side road Mm because she's being blackmailed at this point by Toby Mm -hmm. and she's got to lead him there. So does she... Toby in broad daylight creates this giant thing. Yes. This wackadoodle Scooby-Doo thing. Rube Goldberg (laughs) machine, killing machine. Does Sasha know that's what Toby's going to do when she agrees to lure him away? If she does, it answers a question I have at the end of the episode, which is she's going to jail. She's an accessory. Yep. Um, She certainly knows after it happens. Certainly. That that's what he did and she doesn't speak up. How does Toby know he is going to stop the cart at that exact spot? This log is not huge. Okay. It's big enough to go from his chin to the bottom of his rib cage. Yeah, but... That's pretty big. It is, but he still hits him dead on. We'll get back to that. (laughs) Which means he, he, like, in broad daylight, there's so many things wrong with this. I think it would have hit him in the head and just knocked his head off. I don't think it would have hit him at all because there's no way to know that he stops at that exact spot. Unless there's something in the road. But there's not. Why does he stop at all? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He loses the horseman and he stops. When you're chasing someone and you lose them, two seconds after seeing them, you don't just go, oh, well, plebs. If you're Julian, you stand up in your cart and you go, come out, I've seen you. I'm going to get you. Who is he talking to? The, The headless horseman would have ridden away. And he has no ears. No. <laughs> you can yell at him all you want. He can't hear you. La, 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 la. <laughs> he just makes that sound and he can't hear you. Oh, the earless head, headless horse. <laughs> he has no ears. You can yell at him all day. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Whammo. You can't, you can't make funny faces at him either. He can't see you. He also drifts. <laughs> so then, how does he get... Okay. Okay. Then the hor- then Ju- uh, Toby puts him into the back of the cart, smacks the horse's ass to send it back home, and then conveniently creeps across the meadow through Wouldn't the battle he or be whatever. Covered with blood? No, because remember, Julian has hardly any blood on him at all. It's all internal injury. He just has a little dribble in the corner okay. of his mouth. I think his head would have get knocked off. <laughs> well, then he couldn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be dead. So yeah. <laughs> I think his head would have got knocked off. That would have been a messy situation. But Toby's got good aim, apparently. We know this from the next killing. He's got really good aim. It's very good killing. 
But Toby, it's dramatic. That maybe the, it's the because Toby wears the glasses so yeah. he can see better. The carriage coming back. With him dead in the back. Makes it awfully dramatic. Yeah, it does. But, you know, nobody's very sad about it. What? His I, own mother says, ah, well, Julian was a mad shagger. <laughs> mad shagger. Before that. LMF. LMF. Lacking moral fiber. Like, thanks, mom. So sad. Thanks. Oh, my you favorite, raised him. My he favorite, has no moral fiber. It's because of you. My favorite part is Kate gets to go on a field trip. <laughs> <laughs> they get to retrace Julian's ride. They, they're at the autopsy. He's quick to the autopsy room. Yeah. And then they go out and check the crime scene. Would you not do that in reverse? <laughs> I think they would have uh, taken the, the mystery van out there, don't you think? <laughs> I mean... I think Barnaby should have a neckerchief on and a blonde wig. Because <laughs> Jones is definitely shaggy. Okay, if Jones is shaggy. <laughs> so is Kate Daphne or Thelma? Mm, I think Sarah is Daphne and Kate's Velma. Okay. But I, I think you could swap them around. Yeah. Depending on the scenario. Now I'm going to have to do a Photoshop for this <laughs> <laughs> the mystery machine sorry i got that wrong yeah they'd be out there yeah they'd they'd take the mystery machine out to the scene of the crime jones gets up in the tree finds the chain marks where's the log gone because toby must okay. be strong how I'm, does he hoist a log like that I'm, up that i'm gonna high? go into comic books here because <laughs> again okay clearly toby is the hulk <laughs> As uh, we will see. Yeah, maybe more, I don't know, maybe Superman, because he's, you know, he's kind of nerdy in his everyday. Maybe. He's got some super strength, that's for sure. Well, not only does Julian's mom... You're not supposed to be running a panto. Knock him. Wow! <laughs> but his wife is like, I know I'm out here in the pea gravel in my four-inch heels moving one flintlock pistol at a time, but my husband was a slut. Okay, well... You could pretend to be sad for five minutes. I have throughout all my notes after this position, this day would have been canceled for so many reasons, including Andy, the sound guy's screwed up job. Well, Betty's not going to let that happen. Betty's not going to let that happen. Stiff upper lip. Why does she get out in the, oh, in the middle <laughs> of the reenactment? Why does she what? She gets out in the middle of the reenactment while Mrs. Barnaby's screaming. I just don't understand that. But we also get to hear that not only is Betty sensible, but she's smart. Yes. So she has, on the down low, hyped up these supposed ghost stories about the place. Yes. To drum up business. She is not lacking moral fiber. She has business acumen. She has business acumen and, and sees everybody for exactly who they are, right? Yep. But she's going to run the place. At this point. Not because she wants to be lady of the manor, but because that's who she takes care of business. That's who she is, right? At this point in time, I'm like, wait a minute. She's Australian. Yeah. That's why they keep calling her a... Colonist. Colonist. I didn't get it till this point. Her <laughs> accent's not strong. No. But yeah, that's why they keep calling her a colonist. They keep calling her an uppity colonist or something yep. like that. Now, Ludo is terrified because he sees the rider. Ludo's up in the night. It's late. 
the shutters should be closed. He goes to close the gigantic shutters. They're like two stories high, these yes. shutters, and sees Jeffrey or yes. Sasha. Yes. And now he's scared. He is. Right? Because he's he, convinced. He gets pointed at, yeah. so he knows he's next. He's, he's next. Yeah. So everything is going to be about him not wanting to go outside, but then, of course, he will. Yes. Yes. So Diana goes to see Harry, oh. who's using an angle grinder. Yeah, Harry is surprisingly... He's handy. Handy here. Andy Harry. Yep. He builds his dioramas. He does. And he has a motorcycle. I could not believe that motorcycle was his. He seems to be kind of a nervous guy. I can't imagine wanting to ride a motorcycle. And that's a fast motorcycle. That's not a... He's a well-rounded person. Okay. Okay. It's not been 24 hours since her husband died, and she's putting the moves on Harry. Okay. I need to talk about the moves. Okay. Does she touch him? Does she touch his junk? No. I think she puts her hand on his chest, maybe? No. It's off camera. Oh. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Do you think off camera she's she got her hand in his pockets? close to him and moves, and he reacts, and then his voice goes up a little bit. Oh. I, I miss that. she touches his junk. <laughs> That's not nice. Fleetwood junk. That's unwelcome. Yes. <laughs> Is that like Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> but it's Fleetwood junk. <laughs> Poor Harry. He's like, I got an angle grinder. Please don't touch me. I don't think he has any interest in her at all. None. None. None at all. No. And I don't don't even know why she thinks that she has anything to offer. She's like, you you know, you could have both estates. How? There is no way. None. I tried to figure it out that she can offer both estates. Unless she's going to kill Toby. Unless she's going to kill Toby. Because technically she's Simon's stepmom. Yeah. And he was Julian's son. Yeah. Not, not his stepmom. She's his father's wife. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's Toby? Okay. Simon Ju- Julian is-, is Simon's dad. No. Yes. Toby is Simon's no. dad. No. <laughs> Julian is. Rabel's what, Rabel Scoob? Julian admits that later. Uh, Toby admits that later. He says, I wasn't so good in the baby department, so Julian did it for me, and Angela didn't know. Oh, okay. okay. So Simon is Julian's heir. Yes. Not that a DNA test would prove it, since they're identical twins. It wouldn't matter. Wait a minute, they're twins? <laughs> but since she's his father's wife, yeah. maybe she thinks that she would get sort of like a, a regent? job until he's old enough to inherit maybe but toby would come before him anyway but also i gotta think okay i have to think that fleetwood has built this house to service his comforts okay mm-hmm. he wants the meadow that is with only to stop them making noise in that it. is without question yeah he wants that meadow I don't think he wants that house. I don't think he does either. So she comes and grabs his junk for no reason at all. And I don't think that marrying her would get it for him anyway. No! (laughs) Why is that scene even there? I don't know. I'm just to prove that she's despicable, that Diana's gross. Just gross. And it is... It just makes me feel like they're attempting to make older women look sexy and they're failing at making Oh that. no, I don't think that's it. Okay. No, I think she's supposed to look foolish and desperate. Okay, okay. Because that's... she doesn't want to be in some kind of she wouldn't even be in like a dowager role. She's just out. Yeah. 
She's basically homeless as soon as they tell her to leave. Yeah. And probably penniless. Well, uh, get to the end of the episode. I think she is homeless and penniless. Yeah. And she's doing everything she can not to be. Yeah. That's all. She's just desperate. Then the battle goes awry. And poor Sarah. I feel so bad for her. She's like, wait, get, don't stop. Ah, ah. Stop. Don't do No, this is not how it's supposed to work. Amanda certainly knows Jonesy, though. Oh, yeah. He's got a word for her. Yeah. That's okay. Because she's, she's helping. She's an accomplice to Sasha. Yeah. Really. Then we get the second murder. Yes. That happens during the battle. Ludo, who says he's not going to leave the house, leaves the house. And says he's under police protection. But when he goes out of the house, there's no police there. Nope. This is what we are to believe happens. During the battle, Toby appears in front of the window to Ludo. Mm-hmm. It says, come outside. Let, come no, on. he says, let me in. Let, oh, let me in. Yes, let me in. But not the French doors he's standing right in front of. No, 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 not there. The main door. Mm. Okay. Then this man who is not supposed to leave the house, mm-hmm. who is supposedly under police guard, mm-hmm. who's terrified of his life, mm-hmm. runs out the front door. Mm-hmm. Opens the front door, doesn't see his son standing there yep. to be let in, so takes a few steps out to look around. Oh, he takes more than a few in steps. In the meantime... Toby who has, has super speed entered the house in some other way, and run all the way up to the roof, to the roof, hulked out. Yes. And is now going to shove a piece of stone, a gargoyle onto his head. That is not what happens. He throws that gargoyle. <laughs> it has an arc <laughs> and hits Ludo right on the head. Head to head with the gargoyle. Smash. That is a one in gazillion shot. Yeah. It's funny because when I saw this scene again, all I could think of was the reporter in Hot Fuzz gets killed in a very similar way. A piece of stonework from a church gets pushed onto his head. And I thought that Hot Fuzz was making a reference to Midsummer, but it Hot appears, Fuzz came out before this. I think they're making a reference to Campion here. Did somebody get killed by a gargoyle in Campion? The piggy guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they're both referencing that. Yeah. People do get killed by falling gargoyles, though. I can imagine that those gargoyles, first of all, are usually hanging. Like, rock becomes... Riddle after a while. <laughs> they're not hanging. No, but some of them do hang. But they're part of a larger yeah, stone part that's of part larger. of the wall. Yeah, they're usually. not just like attached to it. Yes. But in the last 10 years, two people in the U.S. died from gargoyles falling on them. Wow. A woman in Chicago in 2014. Like and- one of the gargoyles at the, the library downtown? Because there's... The, it wasn't the library. Okay, it was the, a different building. The Chicago Public Library has these beautiful metal gargoyles outside of it. No, this was stone. Oh. It was part of a stone lion broke off a building and landed on her. Oh, my gosh. And then in 2019, a woman in New York City was killed the same way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Women should go, not go near buildings. These people need to take better care of their buildings. Yeah. Well, in both cases, there were wrongful death suits pressed and they won. I would assume so. Thank God Sasha's personal squatties show up. What is up with that? Where does she find them? Okay, what does she do? Okay, what does Sasha do for a living? She must have a friend who's in the military 
Maybe. That she said, hey, are your boys busy today? Can they come help me? I guess. Wear this sash. March out there going, ho, 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 and steal a flag. It's kind of ridiculous. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but Toby shows up right before Ludo gets killed in another part of the area. There's some weird editing there. Mm, that's not good. No. Because he, yeah, he had to have run to the top of the house and, and, and pushed it over. Yep. Which means he had to have known that it was loose enough in the first place. Yes. So if that one wasn't loose and it was a different one that was loose, would he have tried to get him out of the house through a different door? And why does he have to do it in the middle of everything? I don't know. Boy. And then he sits there and says how much he loved him. But I killed him. (laughs) He's not good. Who rides the motorcycle and leads the cops to the mill? Toby. Why? Because he's going to... Because... He's going to confront Sasha there. He's going to kill Sasha there. And he plants all the evidence. So when the cops are chasing him, he doesn't change his mind and think, I'm going to, I'll do this another way. No, no, no. He thinks I'll go kill her real quick while they're still on my trail. Yes. Why does he think it's a good idea to get on a motorcycle with a big rifle on his back in Uh, clear sight anyway? I don't know. Wouldn't anyone have thought that was suspicious? Hugely suspicious. But it's Harry's bike, so it must be Harry riding it. Harry, Harry tried to kill Sasha. And the, the Dark Rider appears again suddenly, and it just, it just falls all apart. Into, at, at Badger's Mill, yeah, which we've never heard of before. That we've never heard of before. You're a despicable tart. <laughs> Alley cat in heat. There's some great lines that she said. Izzy has a silver tongue. Yeah. It's a sharp tongue, but it's a silver tongue. Yep. Sasha's not a bad person. She took a stupid risk luring Toby to come kill her. She, and she's got a handy cam to capture it, and that's going to save her. She did a goofy thing. Not, okay, we have learned from Sherlock Holmes to Poirot to Miss Marple that when you're being blackmailed, you come clean. You go right to the police. You come clean. You're being blackmailed for adultery. You go tell your your partner right, right away. That takes the power completely takes away. Takes the power of the blackmailer away completely. Mm-hmm. And it's a much better consequence to deal with than being blackmailed. Yes. Okay. All she's done is ride around in a costume and scare people. Yep. It's mischief at best. Yeah. She has no culpability in the old guy's death. No. None at all. None. None. So why does she just not come clean? I don't know. Like right away. Because there'd be no episode if she did. Well, that's true. So. <laughs> Maybe she lacks moral fiber. I I would grant... Which is better than lacking fiber. <laughs> I would grant her writing one more time to help lure Julian away if she didn't know what Toby had planned. But as soon as to- as but Julian as soon dies, as Julian dies, I would have gone right to the police and said, "I didn't know that's what he had planned. I just thought he wanted him away from the house. I didn't know, and I'm not going to be part of this." So not only does she help him again by scaring Ludo, but then instead of going to the police, then she says, "No, I'll lure him out to try to kill me." And then there's this weird thing with a package, and it's all Scooby Doo at this. It's point. It's very Scooby Doo. And then, you know, in the, well, I've brought you all together so I can tell you who did it scene. Yes. When he says that Julian is Simon's dad, it's like, oh, you are just as reprehensible as your brother. Yeah. 
that you went along with that? Yeah. You tricked your wife, let her believe that it was you coming to her in the night, and it was your brother, and you knew it? Yeah. That's bad. And, again, Simon's had trauma, so he's going to act like a killer here. Why? He's scared. I understand that he's scared, but why doesn't he cower instead of being aggressive and violent? Because he's more than trauma, tra- uh, traumatized. He's supposed to act erratic. So is Toby the one who supposedly duct taped him and tied him up and threw him in there? Yes. Then I would think anybody but Toby he wouldn't be afraid of. I agree. Mm. I thought, we've made a couple of jokes about it, that this was very Scooby-Doo and that those kind of plots just don't happen in real life. Yes. Like this, I'm going to pretend to be a monster to scare you. Yeah. And be successful yeah. at getting what I want. Like there's a there's a uh, Murdoch like this where this old guy pretends to be a, a river monster. Right. To put people off of buying a piece yeah. of property or something. This has happened not only once, it's happened several times. Oh my. That people have pulled off Scooby-Doo type crimes. Now, they didn't do it successfully or we wouldn't know about it. Well, of course not, because they couldn't get away with it because of these crazy kids. I've got two stories to tell you. Okay. About these Scooby-Doo type crimes that happened in real life. Okay. The first one has is, is got to be my favorite. It happened in the 13th century. Okay. This is way before Scooby-Doo. This, this okay? predates Scoob. Scooby-Doo is inspired by this. Okay. There's a castle in France. So this is 1200s. Yes. In the south of France called Chateau Vauvert. Okay. okay. Now, remember that castles in France are actual castles. Yes. Not chateaus. Right. But it's called Chateau Vauvert. Yes. Yes. And it was owned by some poncy royal guy, right? Okay. Um, but it was haunted. Okay. So people heard howling sounds. They heard chains dragging around. They saw strange, like, lights. And a fearsome green demon that wandered the halls. Half man, half serpent, with a long beard and a club that it would swing at people. Okay. All right. And then these four teenagers came in there. <laughs> so the the fancy Ponzi guy, he moves out. Okay. Right? And all the locals thought that it was a gang of criminals. Makes sense. That were trying to scare him away so they could loot the place, basically. They would have got away with it. It wasn't for those pesky kids. Yeah. So next door to this is this very small monastery of Carthusian monks. Okay. And they tell... The royal guy, the Ponzi guy, look, if you let us live in the castle, we'll get rid of the ghosts. Of course they will. We'll do it. Yeah. And you'll still own it, but we'll get rid of them and we'll stay there to keep them away. He's like, oh, thank you, monks. Thank you. We really appreciate it. What do you know? As soon as they move in, no more ghosts. No more ghosts. No more chains. No more half serpent, half man, white beard, club swinging bad guy. Nope. Everything's fine. The monks did it. Yep. <laughs> so these little monks creeping across this field onto the grounds of the chateau at night, slipping into the house, scaring the bejesus out of the Ponzi people yep. because they wanted to live there. Yep. That's pretty, pretty sly there. Pretty sly. I can't say it's super Christian. Nope. As monks, they probably should have had better ethics than that. Yep. Low moral fiber. Yes. <laughs> Lacking moral fiber. Lacking. LMF, monks! LMF! 
2005, <laughs> this man in Austria thought that his house was haunted. Every night when he would go to sleep, doors would slam. There'd be heavy footsteps in the hallway. Like, so much so that he was developing a nervous condition. Mm-hmm. He went to the police, and the police are like, look, the only way you're going to find out what's going on is you need to install some hidden cameras. Yeah. And they came and helped install some cameras. And they're like, you're going to get to the bottom of what's going on. It's not a ghost. Yeah. And he's like, okay, if you say so. I can't do an Austrian accent. They captured footage of a 42-year-old Polish woman whose husband had worked for this Austrian man and been fired. And she was mad. So she was slipping into the house every night and scaring the bejesus out of him to get revenge for her husband who was now unemployed. She would have got away with it. Uh, She got four months in prison. Wow. But no costume. uh, No, not like the monks. I want to see that costume the monks built that was half serpent, had a big beard, green and glowed. And like, that's impressive. Yes. But if you had said that there were actual people who pretended to be monsters to scare other people away from their homes, I would have said, no, that never happened. It's happened before. But obviously, Scooby-Doo is real, man. (laughs) Those people needed the mystery machine. The end of this episode is kind of anticlimactic, you know? Because Simon speaks and then everyone leaves. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Scene. (laughs) Best corpse? Nice corpse. Well, I got to say, for me, the best corpse is it's a shot, okay? Mm-hmm. And why it's best corpse for me is they purposely created this shot of Ludo lying on the ground. Now, it might not even be Ludo. Yeah, with his head basically replaced with a gargoyle's head. Yes. Yes. That is that is a shot that deserves, like, it's a well-done shot. Yeah, it is. I can't believe Toby managed to do, Hulk Toby managed to hit him exactly. Well, the, and then the next cut is Kate using swabs on the gargoyle's face. Yeah. To to take blood off of it. Yeah. Like, do you really need to do that? Is there any question whose blood that is? That's his blood. It's it's his. It's it's not blueberry, bramberry juice. No, it it came right off his head. Yeah. Yeah. Which is now in the ground. Yeah. The the sculpt of the gargoyle is good. It's either foam or something. Yeah, it looks real. It looks good. For sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Ludo's best corpse too. Yep. After the credits... Well, let's see. If we look on the big board here of the people in the episode who are left. Okay. Simon and the ladies. Yes. So Izzy is left, but she's lost Ludo. Maybe that'll make her cantankerous. Oh, no, wait. She's already that. She actually has some affection for Simon. I think so, too. I think she's hard on him because she thinks it will help him. Yeah. But at the end, she, she shows some affection. Toby's going to Dale. Diana should get booked for assault. <laughs> Molestation. See, I, I imagine that Simon, so Simon inherits the house, and I think Izzy and Betty and Diana, and he run it. And he asked, Toby asked Betty to wait. No. I hope Betty and the pool boy do whatever <laughs> they want to do at this point in time. Maybe she hooks up with another roundhead. Yeah. <laughs> Because Simon will inherit. Yeah. If Sasha is at least questioned about going to the, about whether or not she goes to jail or not. 
Because she's an accessory to murder, but she helps the police in the end. Yeah, I don't think she will, and I think she and Harry will be very happy. Uh, Except that I think the music and cannons will go on. Well, I don't. Maybe Harry will invest in some headphones or something. There's no. First of all, the court would go. It's a reenactment. There's no winner. But there's no way the court is going to let them have the meadow. Well, and he's already told Izzy he's not going to try to claim that bet. Yeah. They did have a lawyer write it up. Yeah. So it's legal, but he's he's going to tear it up. Yeah. Because he's a good person. I hope Simon gets better and leaves all these people behind. Like Izzy and Diana, probably not good for him. Oh, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. He's smart. He's on it. He knows how to run. He knows how the places run. Maybe. And he's in charge. He owns it. Yeah, he owns it They really can't run over him. He can kick him out. But he'd be dumb to get rid of Betty. Yeah, he would be. So that is... He's coming out of a fog, and I think they'll help him. Yeah. Amanda hopefully finds love. She is still unimportant. Yes. And can run her stable. Yes. The end. Are you ready for a horrible movie that I I bet you've seen? This movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. I'm ready for a horrible movie. Now you said I'm 50-50. I'm 50-50 on whether you've seen this or not. I'm going to be real strategic on what I tell you about it before I make you guess. Okay. It's a 1989 movie. Okay, this is right in my wheelhouse. And Murray Melvin, who plays Bentham at Duquetteville, is in it. Yep, so it's probably British. Mm Mm-hmm. If I give you the synopsis, yep. it will be too much information. Okay. So I'm going to give you clues that go from harder to guess to easier to so guess. So this is like uh, that show that we watched with Michael. Only Connect? Only Connect. This is Only Connect <laughs> The hardest version. game show in existence. Okay, if you haven't watched Only Connect, it is a really hard If you want to feel dumb, yeah. no matter how much education you have, yeah. watch Only Connect. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, in this movie, there is a scene where Robbie Coltrane is sitting in a hot tub eating lobsters. Okay. I've seen this movie. I'm pretty sure. There is a scene where Bill Paxton, while having a bad permed mullet, tries to trade a cat for sex. I definitely think I've seen this movie. One of the main characters is a robot butler. Oh, no. I might not have. Here's a synopsis for you, or a review for you. A cheap-looking Blade Runner ripoff which bankrupted the original producer of the Star Wars movies. Still don't know? No. I, I, okay, I'll read you, I'll I, read you one sentence I know, synopsis. I know something about this movie. An adventurer frees a robot butler prisoner from a lawman of the future on an earth washed by a river of wind. No, I don't know. It stars Bill Paxton and Mark Hamill. Oh my God, this is a fantastically bad movie, and I have never seen it. It's the first movie Mark Hamill made after Star Wars. It's called... Uh, no, well, wasn't the first movie he made after Star Wars like Red Hot Summer or Van Summer or something no, like that's that? that's after this. Okay, I don't know what this is. It's called Slipstream. Slipstream, never. It's set on an Earth that has this been... This has to be 79, not No, it's 89. Well, the... Mark Hamill was in movies in the 80s. This is his first starring role. Okay. Okay. After I'll Star Wars. You. Okay. So it's set on an earth that has had environmental catastrophes. Okay. And the jet stream, all the jet streams have basically concentrated into one okay. low-lying big wind. <laughs> that is the only way that people can can Get move around. around. 
is by getting in a glider wow. and going along this slipstream that's really dangerous. We get Brazil and this. Mark Hamill has bleach blonde hair. He looks like Max Hedrum with a bad mustache. Oh my gosh. And wow. he's uh, he's like a, a bounty hunter who goes after this evil robot, this evil robot butler to arrest him. And then Bill Paxton frees him because he wants to cash in on it. But then they become friends. Wow. <laughs> it's called Slipstream. Um, it has a 25% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. <laughs> That's out of 100, right? That's out of 100. <laughs> I thought for sure you would have seen this movie. I don't know why I hadn't seen that movie. That's, I should have. That's why I was like, I'm going to give you tiny, tiny hints. It's weird. I'll have to look at the cover. It it looks like Bad Blade I Runner. I was like going to the, the video store at this point in time and watching every movie. Wow. Now you've got another to add to your list. Yep. Slipstream, 1989, Mark Hamill, Bill Paxton, and The Big Wind. <laughs> But Murray Melvin, who plays Bentham DeCutteville, is in it. But he's in a lot of things. And that is all I got. Well, Scoobies, you can find the Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter and Instagram and email. We also post in the Facebook groups of Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit where and anywhere else we can find Maniacs. YouTube, like, subscribe, get the grandkids into this now. We're, sure. We are get, making great strides on YouTube towards our thousand subscribers. <laughs> so keep it up. And just remember, next time you know you're playing Yahtzee and you get a five, just go, aha, Quincunks. Quincunks. <laughs> next episode, 91, season 15, episode two, Murder of Innocence. It's the one where the guy goes to jail, wrongly convicted, mm-hmm. and comes back to town. It's a very serious one. It is. And then it goes all sorts of bonkers after that. Of course it does. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's midsummer. We love the bonkers. Yes. All right. Until next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Quincunks. They make an Ugly Betty reference here at the beginning. Did you catch that? But not. it's not a reference to the show Ugly Betty. Oh, it is? Ugly Betty is a reference to the same thing that this is a reference to. Oh, really? Yeah, the original Ugly Betty. What's the original Ugly Betty? Well, you ask me, but I don't remember. Okay. Well, I'll shut up about it then. <laughs> Cut that whole part.